Hello, it's Hamish here. We'll get on to episode number 51 of the Grand Old Podcast very shortly. But first, just a quick note to let you know that this podcast was recorded prior to the departure of Moussa Dembele to Lyon. That news means that some of the chat is redundant, but we thought we'd leave it in anyway because it does still make for an interesting discussion. We'll have full reaction to the news and post-Rangers chat on episode number 52, hopefully on Sunday or Monday. Meanwhile, there's loads of other good stuff in there on episode number 51. We chat Seduva, Europa League Group B, and of course we preview the big match against Rangers as well as all the other transfer news. Enjoy, and don't be sad it's all over. Smile because it happened. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life Hello, you are listening to the Grand Old Podcast. We've reached episode number 51 and I am your host, Hamish Carton. Lots and lots to talk about in this show. Sadly, only two people to talk about it with, including my good self. We have Paul Fisher. How are you, Paul? I'm very well. Um, refreshed after getting to my first game in person of the season. So, raring to talk about Celtic and a, a fine performance in the transfer window and the Europa League draw. So, all good. Yeah, we've got a few things to ask you about your, your experience at the match, but I'm sure we'll come on to that at some stage, something including pies and missing famous goals, but um, as I say, we'll come on to that in, in due course. I don't know if we've ever done a podcast just by the two of us, have we? Uh, pass, maybe. If not, it's a real treat for the fans. I know, they'll be looking forward to it. No John McGinley, no East Coast accent, it's just the good Ayrshire Bahoys today. Um, so me and Paul Fisher with you for about the next, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, however long it takes to talk about all the things on our sheet. Um, on this podcast today we'll be chatting about the Seduva match of course, going through, what was it, 4-1 on aggregate into the Europa League group stage. We'll be chatting about Group B which we find ourselves in um, and who we've got coming up against is a couple of, or one familiar team, well, maybe two familiar teams um, two teams that are sponsored by the same company and uh, a few other things as well. We've got the fixtures here. We'll just run through how we think the group might pan out, some early predictions, that kind of thing. And then, of course, we'll touch a bit on um, the match on Sunday against Rangers. We'll also maybe chat a little bit, well, I'm sure we will, about Dembele Gate and perhaps even a bit about some other transfer news that's happened. And who knows, we may even get a wee transfer confirmed um, in the shape of Benkovic while this podcast is being recorded. But then again, it is Celtic, so who knows? So as we say, Paul, you were at the game last night. Uh, what did you make of the, the match as a whole? Um, were you expecting to see it the way it did turn out? Yeah, I think it did. It kind of panned out the way that everybody expected it to. After the, the first leg, we were all kind of a bit disappointed, but knew that this team weren't up to much uh, attacking-wise. They One or two chances over there, and I don't think they had a a proper chance last night that we were really worried about, especially when it, we got um, a second and third goals. But it took a wee bit to break them down. But once we managed to get that that goal, uh, second half especially, we were kind of powdering the keeper. He was There was a few saves, but uh, a few good performances, a few guys who kind of stepped up and, and made, made chances and I think comfortable in the end with everybody left with a smile on their face. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way as you. I think it was a, a pretty pretty comfortable night. I know the, the first leg, um, we didn't win that, of course, but even when you look at the first leg, we could easily have won that by the same margin as we did last night. And, and last night, we could easily have repeated the score from 2003, even winning by such a, a massive scoreline. I really didn't think they were up to much. I think... Uh, in terms of the Europa League and you see some of the teams that went out last night and you think, God, we could have had a, a much tougher task. I know because we're in the Champions route of the Europa League qualifying, that's why we played um, one of the lesser sides. But I, I do think it was a pretty forgiving draw. However, saying that, I think the team come, came out last night. I didn't think it was a particularly great first half an hour. I thought they moved the ball well enough, but just quite similar to the Hamilton match and loads of matches, AK Athens prior to that. Um, both legs of that tie and other games as well we didn't really have that cutting edge um, and then of course Lee Griffiths comes out of nowhere scores a great free kick he's a 100th goal for the club and we kicked on from there and I thought the second half was a, a really good display I thought it was back to the Celtic we know I think they were moving the ball really well Callum McGregor was involved in absolutely everything Olivier Cham likewise um, but I mean how, how much do we read into Celtic perhaps turning a corner Paul and, and how much do we do we look at the opposition and think the fact that they lost that first goal in the match and they kind of crumbled after they lost the second definitely? And um, where do you kind of weigh up? Was it good Celtic? Was it poor Sadova? Was it a bit of both? I think it is a bit of both. We were good um, after the goal. I think before it we were kind of speculating a wee bit with chances. Sinclair had a shot. Cham had a shot. But there was nothing really like clear cut, and there was no real like oh that was inches away from a goal. But the the Sudova came knowing that they would they would probably have to score two goals and when we scored they, you would expect a team to just to go out all out for it and they didn't they still sat back and absorbed the the kind of Celtic front kind of five going forward so it's it's one of the ones that they were set up in a defensive way we managed to break them down with three goals so it's a positive in that like they would score three goals in the match but. Should we have scored more? Maybe. Should um should we have let them anywhere near our goal? I don't think so. So it's hard to judge. Um attacking wise we scored the goals, obviously trying to judge a defence on this performance is, is tough because although we were pretty comfortable, there was one or two stray passes. I remember had one in the first half, Brown had a couple and against better opponents would we have been punished possibly. Uh but then again we can only play who's who's in front of you. So if it's a team like like Sadova, we have to be professional, do the job, make sure we get through. And we did that, I would say, barring that one mistake in the first leg um, from Gordon, we were absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think the goals came at really good times in terms of last night's match, because I think, what was it, 30 minutes? Uh, 27, 27, yes. Or pie time, as Paul Fisher would call it, uh, when Lee Griffiths pinged in that free kick as a 100th goal for the club. Uh, I think if it had gone on much longer than that, had it reached maybe the, the 35, 40 minute mark, certainly if it got into half time and it was still goalless, then the anxiety would really have started to come out. Um, and then obviously, in many ways, as scoring that, that goal through Griffiths didn't change much for them because they knew that they probably had to score. Um, well, they did have to score anyway. And if, if they'd have scored still at that point, it would have gone to extra time at, at 1-0. So I think the second goal was a real clinch, a really good finish from McGregor. And I think we knew at that stage that we were almost certainly going to be heading um, to the next round. What about the Griffiths free kick? Because uh, I know you, you didn't see it live at the match, uh, which we'll come on to in a wee second. I know, or I assume that you've probably seen it since then. Uh, it's a great finish, isn't it? Yeah, they, they showed it on the big screens at half-time. And I think I was the only one watching. Everybody else had already seen it. 
Um, but I know it was it was eventually he's getting enough free kick goal. And it was it was similar to the the two he scored against England in the the qualifiers for the World Cup and. Um, he gets up and over the wall and down, and the goalkeeper's got no chance. Um, I think regardless of your opposition, that's a it's a free kick that goes in a lot of times, uh, depending on the goalkeeper. Um, and it was brilliant to see the celebrations with Griffiths um, and the manager, uh, the rest of the team, obviously supporting him for for getting that finally getting that one uh, hundredth goal. It's taken him a wee while to get there, but he's over the he's over the hill now, and hopefully that's a maybe the monkey off his back and he can start uh, his shooting boots again. Yeah, you mentioned the two goals against England he scored and that they're similar angles. It's that kind of getting up and it's not it's not really right in the corner, certainly not the top corner. It's almost like the middle of the, the net in terms of the height of the ball, but mm-hmm. it just gets it up so well. And it's not as if it's got a massive pace on it either. It's just as if the keeper doesn't quite expect it. I mean, take nothing away from the finish. I think it's a great goal. I think it's a an absolute carbon copy. If, if you remember a goal, I know it was a match you and fellow podcaster John McGinley, who have not even mentioned yet, and I probably don't plan to, um, scored against Dundee. It's a match you two were at uh, a couple of years ago. It's an absolute carbon copy of it. If, if listeners want to go back and watch that, I think it was 2-0, or I think it was 2-1 actually. Beaton scored as well um, and compared it to last night's goal. It's incredible. It's an absolute carbon copy. Um, but anyway... The real issue, that the reason people have tuned into the first eight minutes, if they were following us on Twitter last night, Paul Fisher, you did not witness the goal that you've been talking about for years. Lee Griffiths, 100th goal. Where were you? Oh, Jesus. Um, so, I think a wee bit of background is required here, Hamish. So, when the three of us, myself, uh, uh, yourself and John, were, were working at the club and we used to kind of gather stats and stuff like that leading into big matches and big games. The the two that I always seem to mention, especially towards the end, was was Griffiths get, getting 100 and James Forrest getting 50 goals. And Forrest is well past 50 now. Uh, last season, he's obviously had his, his best season for a while. So that one passed without too much issue and I didn't I didn't miss that goal. But the Griffiths one had been going on and on and on and on. And I, I think John said that it has been about three years that I've been speaking about this because... The way he started scoring a couple of years ago, he thought, all right, well, he could hit 40 this season and he could easily get there. So it was one of the ones that I always talked about and I thought, right, it's going to happen one day. And then he got to 99 and thought he was going to hit it in the same game. Didn't do that. And then I went to the game last night thinking, oh, he's got a good chance he's starting. If he gets an opening, he'll be getting his 100th goal. So the ball goes out of play um, right down the Celtic end, uh, the right-hand side for a throw-in. So I thought, ah, time to nip down, quick toilet while it's quiet, get a pie back up. Walks out the toilet, walks up to the lassie, stick pie peas in, and then it's big roar in the stadium. Because you'd bought a pie. I, I, I bought a pie. Everybody was cheering for that, of course. But <laughs> when when the stadium announcer was saying and goal scorer for Celtic is, and I just knew it was going to be number nine, Lee Griffiths, and I, my head just dropped. And I walked up just shaking, and I walked by five or six guys in the row. I was sitting in, and they were all, oh, couldn't have timed that band better, eh, son? Eh? Brilliant, oh, brilliant. What a goal that was. Oh, you missed that one. I was like, I fucking rub it in, guys, you know. Just missed Griffiths' 100 goal. I've only been going on about it for fucking 36 months, but there you go. Um, absolute nightmare on my part, but the pie was nice. So. Kind of pie was it again? Steak pie, always not lost, so um, it wasn't none of your rubbish Scotch pie. It was a best of gear steak pie, plenty of gravy. So what was going through your head in terms of 20... I mean, the goal went in at 27, so I'm assuming maybe 24, 25, you left your seat. Yeah. What was uh, what was the thinking behind that going... I mean, that's, that's very early. I don't even know if they have... Well, obviously they do, but I didn't know they had pies out that early in the, the first half. It, it, the pie was, was secondary. The toilet was first. Right. Uh, 
and I held it in, I held it in, I thought, right, I'll get to 25, if nothing's happened and we've got an okay, ball goes out of play, I'll, I'll dip down, two minutes, back up, easy, not miss anything. The ball was pretty much like 10 yards from Craig, it was like maybe in the, the penalty spot in line for a throw-in in the Celtic half, I thought, ah, we'll no get up and, up and down by the time I come back. Sure enough, we got managed to get a free kick and score it and celebrate and miss all that and space of about ninety seconds. So, right. um, it's one I'll not forget though. I'll remember that goal. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, it was a toilet break effectively. Um, you saw the queue or the lack of a queue, and you thought, yes. I'll, it's, a du- I'll make this, it's a double whammy, isn't it? It's a double right. whammy because there's no queue in the toilet and there's no queue for the pie. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Schoolboy era. Um, yeah. Great finish though, uh, really good goal. Set us on our way last night. The other goals, of course, came from Callum McGregor, and uh, a first ever Celtic goal, uh, which I kind of found a bit hard to believe. I, I just assumed that Christopher Ayer had scored for Celtic, but then again, I can't really think of another one because obviously there hasn't been another one. He got his first goal for the club, uh, and it was a three 0 win over Sedova. Um, that brings us into the the, the group stage, of course. Uh, as we've already said, that was a a kind of a tough. Toughish tie, um, but we kind of came through it in the end. Who would you who would you pick out um, elsewhere fr- from last night? The likes of Derek Boyata, second game in a row. Many calling for him to to be man of the match last night. Callum McGregor, obviously, as I've mentioned, second half was really good, uh, and even one of the substitutes, Ryan Christie, came on in, in an almost a a false number nine kind of striking role, uh, and w- was pretty good as well. Yeah, all three were were pretty good. Boyata is one we were speaking about it. How how do you how do you judge a performance like that? And there was the odd chance where the ball gets punted high and he has to deal with it, with the, the physical... Uh, Sudova guy, the big guy, I can't remember his name. Um, was it Cecilia? Cecilia. Aye, so he, he was always going to back He was, he was nearly... He was trying to break their hearts, you know. Um, and, boy, I dealt with it. He dealt with it easily. He's, um, his aerial ability was really good last night. He found a few passes. His touching was good. He looked sharp. He looked fit. But as I said, it's hard to judge against these guys and maybe just not at that level that we are we're playing at every week. So um reserve judgment on him another couple of games. Maybe Sunday will be the, the one where we'll see um as has this World Cup really brought him on a lot and has he the player that he's serious and his agent serious, um that they're trying to get him that move. So you thought it was good. McGregor is as you mentioned, um lap praise on to him. Um as as everybody'll know that listens to the podcast and has done for a while. I'm a big fan of him, always have been, and he's just continues to grow. He got another goal in Europe, he's he seems to be everywhere um when stuff's happening um in the final third of the pitch. Um and you mentioned Ryan Christie when he came on. He I thought he was a real shining light. It was it was a surprise when, when the number went up. I was like, Oh, there's Christie getting a run out and it, it was good to see because um, I'm trying to remember the last time I seen him in a Celtic strip. So, it's like I know yeah. he's had a couple, um, like in the, in terms of coming off the bench, but like a a good run out in terms of twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, and in, in having chances. So, um, he he had a couple of chances. He probably should have scored one or two, um, the chances that he, he did have. But I think he'll take confidence from that moving forward. Um, but the other one I thought again getting another start in Europe was was Mikey Johnson. Mm. Um, for him to get another start, the manager to have the faith in him to play him over Forrest down the right hand side. I'm not sure if he's if he's got one eye at the weekend, one eye in the Rangers game. But Johnston was good on the ball. Um, his crossing was good. He was finding passes, linking up well with with Lustig, with Cham, and um, he probably should have scored as well. So uh, it was it was good to see the younger guys getting a chance and and really 
proving themselves in on the big night in European stage under the lights. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was quite impressed with Michael Johnson. I thought he was, he was fearless in many ways. Um, and there's no doubt in it. I think he lacks end product at the moment in many ways, and I think his decision making and things like that. But he's still, he's still very, very young, and what he does have is a raw pace and a raw talent and a skill. And he, he did a great couple of runs in the second half, as I think maybe coincided with the Sudova players tiring a little bit but the way he shifts his weight from one leg to the other and he shifts the ball from one leg to another I think he's a, a real real talent and I'm more than happy to, to keep seeing him and giving kind of more and more chances as we go um, forward whether the Europa League group stage is that opportunity for him maybe he's the kind of player like Tierney that one day will just take a massive opportunity in a big game I don't know um, but I, I certainly think that he's an option I, I'd like to keep at the club and I think from the matches he's been playing, he's probably been involved in our last four or five matches. I think Brendan Rodgers feels the same way as well. I think Scott Brown and Olivier and Cham were, were back to their almost their best, certainly in the last half an hour. Again, coincides with Sadova players tiring, which I do take into account. But I think it's really important. I think there are two most important players, um, perhaps with whoever plays up top on Sunday against Rangers, which we'll come on to. But I think, I think they were both good. I think Scott Brown really looked to have the bite back and was playing the second half. I think he was a bit slack at times in the first half and has been in the last few weeks, but I thought he was really back to it in the second half. And I thought in Cham, as I said earlier, just involved in everything again, which is exactly what you want from him. It's when he's at his best, when he's receiving the ball, he's constantly moving it on, he's shifting the ball, he's getting involved in everything. And I thought he was really good. So my, my opinions are, I thought it was going to be more of a struggle of a night than it was. And I think for all the criticism the team's had recently, I think you've got to look at the last two games, you've got to look at the fact that we've kept two clean sheets um, we've got through three big big points in my opinion in the league I know it was only Hamilton at home but it's still big, three big points and I think getting through uh, what is a kind of relatively easy Europa League playoff tie but it came at a difficult time when things everything seemed to be kind of thrown into anarchy I, I think the, the fact they got through the tie and we're now in a group stage uh, as we'll come on to it, is quite a tasty looking group, I think, and it's one we can really get excited about. So I think the, the team, in summary, I think the team deserve credit for the way they've come through the last two matches because things haven't been easy, uh, but I think we're perhaps showing signs of, of getting back to form. Um, do you feel the same way? Do you think we're maybe starting to overcome a little hump? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think obviously a lot of, um, there's been a lot of speculation around two or three players and that's going to have an effect on on the team because they'll be they'll be hearing rumours and they'll be seeing stuff on social media. But um, our players going to go, they're going to stay, and the best thing to do is trying to keep grounded. And the managers, obviously, he'll be drilling the coaching staff will be drilling it into them that the most important thing is the next game that they've got. And Rogers always says that is they take the game one at a time, and the last three games it's it's been important that we got through the tie against Sadova, but also important the bread and butter is taken care of. We win games in the league and to get the three points at the weekend and then have that comfortable performance during the week, it's, it's only going to give them a bit of a, a motivation to push because let's not kid ourselves, we're, we're, we're not going to be flying and winning every game 2-3-4-0 and, three and four now, like we did a couple of seasons back. It's going to be a struggle and we're going to, we're going to have a, a tough fixture list because there's a lot of decent teams in the league this, this season. There's, there's three or four teams have improved and, and we're going to be um, having... Sunday games obviously because we're in the Europa League so it's there's going to be 
issues that we only take it overcome. This is kind of the first hurdle getting to make sure we're in to at least to Christmas in Europe. Yeah. And then we look at the next stage, which is right, league games, um we're still in the both cups, um, we've got the League Cup quarter final to look forward to and then we look to see how we can progress in Europe. And progress in Europe we have done to this stage. We're in group B of the Europa League. Uh, we've been put in with top seeds, and this is the way the draw came out. Top seeds, Red Bull Salzburg, the champions of Austria. Uh, we've also got third seeds, which seems absolutely mental, that we've got Red Bull Leipzig, currently bottom of um, the German Bundesliga, although I think last year they, they finished in, in quite a good position. They're bottom because they, they lost 4-1 to Dortmund last week, so that's perhaps not the, the best barometer, the fact they were away to Dortmund. Uh, they did last season finish sixth, uh, in the Bundesliga, which was a massive 31 points off the, the winners Bayern, but only 10 away from second place Schalke. So I suppose you could argue not a, a terrible season for them. I just think that the previous season when they'd finished second, um, that they, they'd had a bit of a, a difficult one. Uh, and obviously our, our final team, the fourth seeds, with us being second seeds, uh, was Rosenberg from Norway, the champions of Norway. We've played them in the last two seasons. We know probably know Rosenberg just about as well as we know Celtic at the moment, uh, the way we've played them. So that'll be the, the sixth time by the time we play them twice in the group stage that we will have faced them in about what the last 18 months it will be at that stage. So what's your, your immediate thoughts on the group? Does it give us glamour? Does it give us a realistic chance of, of getting through to the last 32 of the Europa League? Do you fear teams in the group? Do you think we'll get it easy against any teams? How do you view it up? I think it's it's a really well balanced group. It's not we've not got any easy teams. I wouldn't say, and we've not got any really really difficult teams. Like we we avoided the big dogs in in group in the pot one. Let's be honest, we avoided Sevilla, we avoided Arsenal, we avoided Chelsea. They're the teams that you were going in thinking right. If we got one of them, we're needing an easier three and four because they're teams that are pretty much Champions League standard. Like last sixteen, last eight Champions League. If they're they do well in the league season. Um, Salzburg, I think, was probably one of, if not the best, from the the top pot. But yeah. they were semi finalists last year. They're they're a very very good outfit. But again, you need to look. That's last year. This is this year. They dropped out the Champions League qualifiers, the same as us. So, will they be on a high? They probably want. They probably wanted to get to the Champions League group stages after the performance in Europe last year. So, um, that'll be tough. Leipzig, as you said, I don't know how the third seeds, but. Um, they'll it's be crazy, they'll be tough. They, they they'll be a, they'll be a tough affair. they'll be a tough outfit to play. But again, finishing sixth in the league, it's there's teams above them that you're looking at it on paper. You would think, oh well, we give them a game. Like you think, and I think many Celtic fans would look at Bayer Leverkusen, who were uh, top seeds. You would give you think, oh, I fancy them over over two legs if it was a knockout, um, yeah. and Hoffenheim teams like that. So. It's not it's not a, a horrendous draw. Rosenberg, obviously, we know about. We've played them in the last two years. Um, we've played them four times, we've conceded one goal. So we know we have the beating of Rosenberg. Um, that's over the knockout. So I think um, the Rosenberg uh, draw suits us really well because we've got them at home first. It's really good because we know we can beat them at home. And the away game will begin into less trepidation because we know we don't need to concede away goals and all that kind of stuff. We can relax a bit um, and know that we're a better team than them. Overall, it's a decent draw without any glamour. So I think it's one where we heads down, job done, get through to the knockout stage. Yes, if we just quickly take a look at, at the teams um, briefly, if for anyone listening doesn't know much about um, the, the teams that have been drawn with in the group. Red Bull Salzburg, as we say, are the, the top seeds. 
Um, according to UEFA, they're the toughest team we'll face. Of course, I, th- I think most people know Leipzig are slightly better, but then again, who knows? Uh, last year, in terms of the Champions League, they have this in- incredible thing going on. If anyone's been following Salzburg for the last five or six seasons, where every single year they look certain to qualify for the Champions League and they, they just find a way not to do it. I don't know if it's just some massive jinx. I don't know if they just prefer the Europa League, whatever. Last year, Rijeka put them out of the qualifying round. They bounced into the UEFA Europa League, beat Vitero from Romania to get into the group stage uh, and then topped a group containing Marseille, Konya Spor and Vitoria de Gimerez from Portugal, of course. They got 12 points from that group, didn't lose a match. I mean, that's pretty good going when you've got a Turkish team, a Portuguese team and a French team in your group and you're from Austria. So clearly all right. They got to the, the knockout phase from that point, put out Real Sociedad, then put out Borussia Dortmund and then put out Lazio, beating them 4-1 in the home match. Uh, to go through 6-5 on aggregate. They then face Marseille again, who we know they, they face in the groups, and um, and lost 3-2 on aggregate. That was in the semi-final. Marseille going on in the final to lose to the eventual winners, of course, Atletico Madrid. So in terms of the Europa League, this is a side that have massive pedigree. Uh, they clearly are not a bad side. They've, they've started this season in the Austrian typical Bundesliga as it's called with five wins from five so they're in great form however they are in the Europa League after losing to Red Star Belgrade uh, the other night they drew the first leg in Serbia 0-0 so not a bad result there but then we're 2-0 up uh, after 50 minutes against uh, Red Star on I think that was Tuesday night and somehow conceded two goals in two minutes just alluding to that um, fact that I gave a minute ago of how they just find a way to bottle the Champions League so you can look at it many ways, Paul, the fact that they've reached the semi-final, beating the likes of Dortmund and Lazio, you know, massive, massive teams. Real Sociedad as well are a big team, but they're also in the Europa League for a reason, just like us, and you could argue um, that they've perhaps not got the mentality um, to play at, at the top table, maybe a bit like us. Yeah, well, we've got the difference that we've got the Champions League experience, as you say, that they just can't seem to qualify for the Champions League, and you look back at the last four or five seasons, it's Europa League, Europa League, Europa League, and they're hitting a miss because... It's in the semi-final last year, but um, I think the year before they dropped out of the group. So um, it's it, it, obviously it's, it's a difficult competition because the teams that come into this chop and change a lot because you, you, you're seeing these teams like last year, the team they were in, the, the Turkish team, I don't think they're in the, the Europa League this year off the top of my head. There's other Turkish teams are there because mm. they, they're playing for these third and fourth and fifth places in their league to qualify for Europe. And Salzburg, obviously, champions, they're a really well-organised side. They've obviously got the back in Red Bull behind them. They've got a bit of money um, and they've got a decent squad. So I don't think... I think it's one of the ones where you can go into it thinking, right, this team are, are really experienced in the Europa League. They got to the semi-finals last year and, and we should be um, we should be worried about them because the last time we played them, they, they turned us over and we managed to draw it home, but that was that was about it. So how do we how do we approach it? We approach it with a mentality where they're the poorest of the seeded teams um, above us and we can beat them at Celtic Park and we can take something away from home. That's perhaps the the way to look about it. I mean, I think when, it's fair to say, when they, they first came out, the hat, we looked at it and we thought, yeah, that's probably the best draw. I think when you look into them a wee bit more, you do realise they've got, they've got massive European pedigree, uh, which is fair enough. And of course, we're in this absolutely incredible situation uh, and I'll probably just get your thoughts on that now where we've got another team with Red Bull in front of their name, Red Bull Leipzig. I mean, this is something that I think 
many people have been chatting about for ages. Lots and lots of people seem to think, rightly so in my opinion, these two teams shouldn't be allowed to play in Europe together. I think it's a farce in the, the first place you've, that you've got teams controlled by Red Bull, more than one team. I know they've obviously got New York and I think there's one in Argentina as well. And it just seems an absolute incredible situation that you could have two teams basically ran by the same people. I understand from today that Salzburg have less of a Red Bull influence in them. I think the, the fella who owns Red Bull has um, pulled out a lot of the interest, but they still have them in their name effectively. And it just seems crazy that these two teams are, are in the same group. And wouldn't you just know it that Celtic, uh, our beloved Celtic, would find themselves in amongst this Um whatever you want to call it. Do you find it a bit off-putting in terms of the group that we're in with two teams like this? Do you think there could be any dodginess going on between the two teams? Or or what What do you think might happen? It's a weird one because it's something I never really thought about because before it, it was like, right, that the chances of that are pretty slim. And then you called it. You said, imagine we did get them after, after Ron Salzburg. And we did, so... It's a weird one because Leipzig are a team I always think about. Like these are the new guys that are coming through. That's like this new team appeared for nowhere. Um, they're a lot younger than us, for example. Never mind um, in comparison to any football team. They've only been about for about ten years. So mm-hmm. um, my my contention is probably with that rather than anything else. They they obviously they've bought themselves they've bought themselves success and it's it's not a team where I, I don't know. It's it's a strange one because. They've always got this branding and, and the badges are pretty similar and they're, the teams, obviously, the, there's the, the common uh, thing with Red Bull around them. But as you said, Salzburg maybe not as much as them. Is there going to be anything dodgy? I wouldn't think so uh, on the face of it because the both of them will be wanting to, to progress and they'll know that they're not in an easy group. Well, obviously, with us in there, Rosenberg on their day could probably give them a, a half-decent game at home. It's it's a weird one because it's it's not something you think about in football. Other sports maybe, um, like obviously Formula One and stuff like that. With, with Red Bull, you think about like the the branding having a, an impact in the the team, but you don't think about that in in football because you don't think about like the Iron Brew, like Glasgow Celtic or something like that, do you? So it's like it's one of the things that it's 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 weird. Um, it never really comes into it with football. So I think we'll wait and see what it's like because I'm quite excited to play in Leipzig because. There's a kind of unknown quantity. Everybody thinks they're this brilliant team, but whether they're going to be because of the money or whether they're just going to go back down into obscurity because they're finishing six after finishing second, it's not a not a great way to to do things. Um, yeah. And and the league obviously German league is very difficult, but um, it's it's a strange situation. And I I don't I don't I'm not against them playing in the same group. I don't really have any thoughts either way about it. I'm not sure some people will be really upset, but. I don't see. I don't think it's worth uh, moaning about. Mm. In terms of Leipzig's record last season, they qualify straight into the Champions League group stage as a result of finishing second uh, to Bayern Munich season before that. They finished third in a group along with AS Monaco, Besiktas, who remember were just beating everyone at that stage, and FC Porto as well. So third in that group, bounced into the Europa League, had the tough draw, I mean an incredible round of 32 draw against Napoli, beat them uh, on away goals. Then played a team called Zenit St. Petersburg, who'd just beaten us, of course, in the round of 16, beat them as well. So maybe that's a, a kind of decent barometer of where we're at. The fact we were beating 3-1 on uh, aggregate and uh, it was 3-2 uh, that, that Leipzig beat Zenit in the last 16. They then faced Olympic Marseille, 
Uh, so Marseille must have beaten Leipzig in the quarters and then um, Salzburg in the semi-finals, which is pretty incredible. So you could have had this big uh, Red Bull derby in the semi-finals of the Europa League last year, which had just been absolutely amazing. Uh, so it was the quarter-finals where they were knocked out of the Europa League. So we've got a team from the semis in the quarters of last season. So it's a, a pretty challenging group. As we said in, in the Bundesliga last year, they finished sixth. In terms of this season, they've uh, they've just come through a tie, uh, I think it was pretty close, they were they were in a bit of trouble, I'm, I'm sure, I'll need to just double check in a second, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they scored in the last minute to, to get through their tie in the playoff round, to even yeah, get into three, the two in aggregate, so, I think, aye. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was a last minute goal as well, so I think they're, they're perhaps struggling a little bit, I said 4-1 defeat to Dortmund at the weekend, obviously we're just going off snapshot results at the moment, in terms of the players they've got, this is when you, you start to fear a little bit. Uh, this is, of course, the club where we signed the famous Marvin Comper from. So that perhaps tells you a slight bit, but he was a reserve at the M and is the same at us. In terms of other players, you'd, you're probably likely to notice their main man, Timo Werner. I know one of John's, uh, or certainly John's tip to be the top scorer at the World Cup that's just passed. He's uh, he's one of their main men up top. They've also got Emil Forsberg, who I'm sure Mikael Lustig will be very familiar with. He was Sweden's main man at the World Cup. Really, really good player. Probably their best player. Kevin Campbell's another one that used to play for Dortmund. Uh, they've, they've got a few big names, but it's what you would expect from, from a team at this stage of, of the tournament, Paul. They're, they're going to be difficult, but I'm sure it's one that we can we can look at and we can think, God, it, it could be more difficult. As you say, you could have probably had a, a tougher team or a team certainly in better spirits at the moment. And then the final team is Rosenberg. I don't really need to go through too much from them because we played them, what, about a month ago. Uh, where do you see there been much of a difference in the matches against Rosenberg in the fact that they'll now be in a group stage? Because we've taken, if you're looking at a group format, we've taken four points from them the last two seasons we've played them in qualifying. Do you think that it'll be similar, similar kind of spell? Is it good that we've got a team that we know all about? Or on the flip side, do they know all about us as well? Uh, I think, as I mentioned, I think the, the group stage format will suit us better because we know that we can relax when we're playing the away games uh, in, in Rosenberg because at home, obviously last season, we, we had the 0-0 and then we went over there and won, but we had to, to score the goal and we did that. This season we had the 3-1 going over there and knew that we had a two-goal cushion to to um, look look after and, and we managed that pretty much, pretty comfortably in the end. And um, This team, as I said, four, four games, 490 minutes, they scored one goal against us and the, it was against the run of play really when they scored the goal and we managed to score another couple and, and, and take the win 3-1 so they're a team that looking at the the, the seeded teams of the, the fourth the pot four you would have probably thought right okay they're one of the better teams but we know that we've got the beating of them because we've played them twice in the last two years and um, we we have never really been threatened in, in terms of being behind against them or like really losing any number of goals or anything like that. So it's one where you think ordinarily four points, um, but I think this season if we, we have our heads good on, we can get six points, two, a win home and a win away. Yeah, I think I think in many ways the, the 0-0 result we had there, I know they, they were probably the better team that night. We weren't great, but I think that was a, that was a very much a defensive display from us I think it wasn't giving them anything I think if you'd have offered us now now before the game we would have absolutely bitten your hand off so I don't think you can read too much into that in terms of what it would be like in a group context I certainly don't think they're a, a great side Rosenberg but then again they are four seeds we could have probably played easier four seeds so they certainly won't be easy to beat but I think the way the fixtures have looked out which I'll just come on to in a second 
I think it's a, it's given us a, a good opportunity to get off to a good start in the group. We start at home to Rosenberg, 20th of September. That's a match that I think the pressure's on straight away. I think we pretty much need to win that match if we're going to qualify for the last 32. I think that's a must-take three points, but I think it's three points we're very capable of getting. I think if you, you look at the home match we played a couple of weeks ago against them, we, we absolutely outclassed them in the second half. It, that was 3-1 going on about 5 or 6-1. And I think uh, in a group stage format, hopefully when we're a couple of more weeks down the line, uh, what is that, three three weeks yesterday, the match will be, take place. So hopefully we're in a better position than we are right now. I think you'd fancy us to win that. We then go away to Austria to play Salzburg and then Germany bound to play Leipzig. We then face Leipzig at home following that. We're then away to Norway in the penultimate match and we finish with another home game against Salzburg. I think that's that's... I honestly don't think you could handpick those fixtures any better the way you look at them. I think it gives us a great chance to get off to a good start. I think you get Leipzig in the middle and a back-to-back where we can maybe say, if we can take, I don't know, one point seems a bit low, but even if we get a draw in the home game and we, we go down away from home, I don't think that would be abysmal. And then I think you're pretty much looking to take four points from the first two and the last two, and that would give us a total of nine. I think that would probably be enough to take us into the last 32. And I think it's a it's a challenging group. I don't think it's a an easy group at all. I don't think there's a bad team in the group, and I think there's actually a few very good teams. Um, so I think it's a, a pretty difficult group, but I also think we're, we're capable of getting through. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be six really, really good matches. I'm actually pretty hyped about it now. Yeah, I think the Europe League is one of these ones where if you get a, a kind of dud draw, you're... you're it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be forty five thousand at the the home games, and it's yeah. trying to get up for it. But I think the fact as well, one of the key things is the home matches at eight o'clock instead of six. Yeah. That's I think that really gives us a boost because it's going to be more people will be there for eight o'clock than they would be for six o'clock. That's fine. I reckon they'll all sell out at home. I don't know if that's a controversial statement, but I mm. think they'll all sell out. I, I I really hope they do. Um, and I I think the only the only thing I have with the fixtures is that uh, rounds two and three are away from home. We could win the first game against Rosenberg comfortably and then go to Salzburg, go to Leipzig and lose and then questions will start being asked and we'll put ourselves under pressure. It obviously depends on what happens in the other games but I think that's that's the key thing is, is getting getting four points from the first three fixtures I think is key because if we come on going into Leipzig at home with only three points there'll be a, a huge amount of pressure on the team to get a result against them. I think with four points or possibly six, you never know what could happen, We, we the pressure will be off in the home game, knowing that we've gone into Rosenberg, maybe needing one, possibly three points to guarantee qualification before the last game at home. Yeah. You also look at it on the flip side, that, as you say, if we can get off to a great start. Say we were to get six points from our first two matches, which would just be incredible. Even if we got four, you've then almost got a free hit in the next two matches against mm-hmm. Leipzig. And as I say, they're Leipzig, they're a good team, they've got good players, they're not Bayern Munich though, they're miles away from Bayern Munich. This is a team that feasibly at home, I think at home, you, I think it would be a maybe a 60-40 game in their favour. I don't think in any ways it would be back to the wall for the whole match. This isn't the Champions League we're playing in. These are teams that I, th- I think it would be really, it'd be a really good statement to make if we were to get seven or nine, even nine points from our three home matches. I think starting to make the place... Uh, a fortress again and this may be the way to do it remember the the luck that not the luck sorry the the joy that Neil Lennon's team had that season in the group with Ren and Udinese um, and Atletico Madrid as well and, and they grew from that as well and in many ways I think this could be the making of this team if they were to go in and get 
say seven points at home and, and get a couple of points away as well in this group I, I think it's the chance is certainly there for them I think it could go either way it depends on all the business we do it depends on how we approach the matches it depends on how we play in the matches of course it does but I think this is a group that we could conceivably see us taking 10 points from you could also see us taking four from so I think it's uh, I think it's a fantastic group and I just can't wait to get going with this again and in many ways I don't want to labour the point too much, but in many ways I'm, I'm a wee bit glad it's this group and it's not a PSG and a Bayern Munich in terms of the fact that we'd have no chance. I think this gives us a realistic opportunity of qualification. I think these teams we're up against are pretty much on our level. I think these are teams we should be competing with in Europe. Certainly Salzburg and Rosenberg we should be. And um, I think it's uh, I think it's really, really promising and I'm just really looking forward to getting into it. Um, but what players will we have for these matches, Paul? Because there's, if we turn to the transfer window, there's certainly um, some stuff going on at the moment. There is indeed, well. Um, there's not a, a huge amount been going on, but um, it's a lot more promising than maybe it was two or three days ago. We are, I don't know, say happy. Are we content with, the, with what's happened? Um, one signing confirmed, one just about over the line, and, and two... Big players possibly staying makes a hell of a difference going into the next couple of months as a Celtic fan. Yes, so if we turn to the first one that has been confirmed, Yusuf Malumba from or Malumbu, sorry, from from Kilmarnock. Saw a bit of him last season. Too good for Kilmarnock. There's been a bit of uh, scepticism that's met this signing in terms of is he just an obvious one in front of us? Are we just signing a player that? We don't really need when there are positions that perhaps we do need that we've not strengthened or signed in. My argument would be that I think this guy offers a a replacement to Scott Brown. I think if you you actually listen back to to podcast end of last season, I, I mentioned that he or John McGinn, uh, funny the way things work out, would be the ideal solution to the Scott Brown issue uh, in terms of Scott Brown getting no younger. He's playing games and I think um, Malumbu, as John McGinn would have done and perhaps John McGinn will definitely would have offered a succession plan to, to Scott Brown that Malumbu doesn't. I think what Malumbu would offer or does offer is uh, that he can play the Sunday matches after Europa League. Um, the likes of Hamilton at home in matches like that when perhaps Scott Brown would be better rested and saved for, for bigger matches coming up. I think Malumbu is a similar player in the fact that he brings drive to the midfield. I think he's a good passer. I think he's a good tackler. And I think for what we're getting and what we're forking out, we're not really losing much. I don't think he'll be in massive wages. Uh, we've not put a fee in for him. Um, and I think it makes sense. Uh, that's where I come down in, in the argument. So I'm not absolutely overjoyed at the signing. I'll be more uh, pleased if and hopefully when we sign uh, the centre-back this evening. But I also uh, I also think it's a good bit of business. What are your thoughts? Oh, I, I don't think you can really put it down as bad business because... He left Kilmarnock and he's been kind of milling about and I don't know why we left it so late to sign him because if if Rogers was interested and um, he's the man for uh, to step in, as you say, Europa League or, or games which we were expected to win and, and he wanted to give players a rest in, then he's more than capable of stepping up. He's experienced in, in England with West Brom. He, last season we, we saw firsthand what he could do with Kilmarnock. He was really good. And as you said, he'll not be on a, a great deal of wages. And I think he's a player that just wants to play football. Um, he signed the day and he, was, he said it, was, it felt amazing to be at Celtic and he just wanted to get fit and ready and, and, and play because he's played there 
for command or, or as the opposition and uh, now he wants to be part of the team but also I think he mentioned he wanted to help the youngsters come through um, I think he's 30 or 31 so he wanted to help the younger guys and, and improve them obviously pass on a bit of experience that he's had from, from playing in England and to if he even he's, he's one of these characters where it's like um, in Toure when we signed him a couple of years ago he's going to bring on players um, give them that wee bit of extra boost that maybe they would they would wouldn't get with a coach they would that hasn't played they would maybe get it with a player who can show them the ropes and go right this is what you do in this situation this is how I would deal with it um, and he's he's a he's a valuable player I think he he's good to have someone with his quality when I think we we did speak about it last year when he was playing with Kilmarnock this is one of the players that we'd probably pinpoint to say right he's good enough why don't we sign him up it took a while we've got him now I think we'd be happy with it um, um one more signing and I think we'll be we'll be content as I said. Benkovic coming in, does it paper over cracks? Possibly, but is it a good move? I think it is. Loan, but what, what do we what do we think? Yeah, I think just quickly on on Malumbu, I think there's a bit of snobbery attached to the, the signing as well. I think the fact that people see he's come from Kilmarnock uh, in a roundabout way, they immediately think, oh god, are we signing players? Is this another going to be another Jack Hendry or another? I suppose Scott Bean to a certain extent signing players from from smaller teams. I don't think that's fair at all. I think if you designed them straight from Norwich where he played before Kilmarnock or West Brom of course where he had a lot of his success in the Premier League I think you'd realise that, that this is a player that could come in and strengthen us so I think you've got to realise that I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do you mentioned uh, the boy Benkovic Philip Benkovic he's 21 years old uh, centre back played for Dinamo Zagreb 56 matches um, I don't know if he played against us when we were in the, the Europa League against them I'm not sure but he, uh, he certainly moved to Leicester just what last month uh, for £13 million five year contract he signed for them so he's had one uh, cap for Croatia under 21 so he's clearly a talented player Um, but as you say there are a lot of questions about loan signings and whether signing a, a guy on loan for a position we really need whether we're effectively just pushing the what's the saying pushing the bus down the line a little bit and we'll have to come and deal with it again in a year's time my argument would be that I think this guy offers value for money and the fact that we're not spending much money on him because he's a loan signing and he's certainly a talented player if £13 million is getting splashed out on him um, he's young he seems to be pretty decent we were certainly linked with him before he went to Leicester so in many ways if he was a great player for us and we had really signed him he maybe only would have spent a year two years at the club so I'm, I've not got a real snobbery that a lot of people do towards the loan he fills a gap that we badly need covered and suddenly if you have the double B partnership in the middle of Benkovic and Boyata I think you've got an alright centre back pair in there which is something we could really not have believed would even have happened what six days ago yeah it's funny how these things happen Boyata was the pantomime villain, he was leaving, he was he was going, he was, X amount of clubs were in for him. Nobody wanted him at Celtic. Um, and then he plays a couple of games, plays well. He gets brushed under the carpet, forgotten about. Someone else comes in and we're thinking, oh, we've got a half-decent kind of pair in here. That's, that, this could actually work. Two young guys, two fit guys, two powerful guys who, who can defend, who can move forward with the ball and who are comfortable. Um, and I think if and when it gets over the line I think Rogers was pretty confident obviously we're recording before the end of the, the window but uh, I think he's pretty confident of getting him in and he does it pushes on higher um, 
hopefully he would think as well it pushes on Henry I know he's been struggling this season but pushes him on a bit more brings him up a level um, Simonovic has kind of moved to the sidelines but it could help him as well and it, it gives a real fight for the, the places in the middle of the defence so it's a positive getting someone in is a positive because we had to get someone in I think going forward with this defence especially going into Europe we would we'd be struggling we'd be scratching our heads thinking who's going to play where's the partnership Um who's going to play right back and all that kind of stuff. And now, we're looking at it, we have options. Um, Boyata Stein, Benkovic coming in, gives us options uh, in the, the defence. And I think that's what we needed was options. Uh, experiment a wee bit, make sure you get that centre defender defensive partnership buried in, and and then um, we'll look at moving, in, moving forward in terms of being comfortable, not dreading every game, not dreading that mistake that's coming that could come from one, two, three, four players if we can get someone who's comfortable in the middle and this young man seems to be the real deal obviously Leicester are a, are a big club uh, they can splash the cash obviously if we were interested in we would probably wouldn't be spending 13 million on them but if we get them on loan uh, it's not going to be costing us a hell of a lot it, it's, it's definitely value for money Yes, John McGinley missing in action of course today he has however supplied his thoughts on both uh, signings of Benkovic and Malumbu he's pretty happy with both, but he also feels that questions uh, around our transfer business this summer should still be answered, which I think is something we would all agree with. There's been a bit of a debate going on whether, you know, whether people are, are kind of, uh, you use the phrase papering over the cracks, whether Celtic are doing that and whether people are believing it and they, they now think, you know, everything's rosy in the garden if we sign Benkovic and Malumbu. I think there are, I don't think it has to be a black and white issue. I think there, there can be an area of grey where we're pretty chuffed to get these players in we've filled gaps it's maybe if we keep Dembele and um, Boyata which we'll certainly keep Boyata by the looks of things if we keep Dembele uh, it's maybe not been quite a damaging summer market as it could have been but I think we also then have to look into it and go well why could it have been so damaging why was there not certain players looked obviously the, the McGinn stuff's been well documented why have other players not come in why have we left it to the last day to sign two players things like that so I, I think there's it's an issue but that, that's what John says he thinks there should be answers from uh, our business this summer I assume from Lowell and from Rogers and from Lee Congerton as well he also says that he did in fact predict uh, centre mid and centre back uh, coming in with Boyata and Dembele staying on the um, in the summer he predicted that in the last podcast and we'll soon find out whether he's right he certainly seems to be right with two of them in terms of Malumbu and Boyata staying uh, but whether we get this centre back in, which we certainly hope we do, but I just don't know why we leave it so late with these things. I don't know what still needs done. And uh, and he's also talking about Dembele staying, so we'll find out about that later on as well. On the Dembele issue, what are your, your thoughts on this? Because he certainly seems to have been in a bit of a huff. Uh, he was he was in training today. We all saw the photos, I think, from Jeff Holmes, where he was looking a bit gubbed, he was very unhappy to be there, not the kind of attitude you want to see around the club, he then apparently had a conversation with Brendan Rodgers, Brendan Rodgers was asked about it earlier in a press conference and said that um, yeah, basically Dembele had been, it was better that he left but he would leave it at that, so he's kind of hung him out to dry a wee bit, what are your thoughts on the Dembele issue, are the club to blame should Dembele just get on with it, is there a bit of value in both thoughts? I think it's a difficult situation because Obviously, he's a young man and he wants to better his career. And I'm not saying he won't at Celtic, but he'll be wanting to play Champions League football. And although he hasn't hit the heights that he did in his his first um, season, he is still 
by far and away one of the, the best players in the country and he is so so talented that not playing every week is going to hamper him. Um, he obviously is slightly injury prone. He's, he has had a, a fair few injuries, but if he wants to leave, it needs to be done in the proper way. I think it's kind of looks as if it's being rushed through, and Rogers has been quite outspoken saying that he needs a replacement. If it doesn't, it doesn't work with two strikers. He needs three strikers, and um, there's nobody else at the moment in the club. So, I think if Leon are coming in with bids of, of around fifteen million with with add-ons and stuff like that, the club are well within the rights to say no, no, thank you. Um, come back again another day and, and see what we can do, and if. He has wind of that from obviously his representatives and thinks, right, well, I want to go back to France and I want to do this and I want to play in the Champions League. Then he's taken the huff, but I think he has to be professional about it as well and realise that he still has plenty of time in his contract. Another three, four months down the line, he's e- he could easily get his move to wherever he wants, really. If he performs for Celtic and he put turns up in the Europa League and scores goals, then anybody will be looking at him and the, the value shoots up by two, three, fourfold easily because he can, if he can do it again on the European stage. So it's a, it's a tricky situation for him, being such a young guy with obviously the talent that he has. And the, obviously it looks as if, from the outside looking in, he, his representatives and his agents like to stir the pot and say, right, well, we, we want to get him away. And we want, they're obviously looking at it from a point of view where they're getting their money. Um, we want the, the best for their client, but they also want to, to kind of wind it up a bit. And... I don't think the cryptic stuff in social media helps anybody's cause. Rogers kind of says it as it is, and he has done in the press conferences with Bayata um, last week and, and with Dembele today. So I think that, that he'll realise that he's got it good here. He's, he, is a, one of the, he is probably the best player that we have, and he'll realise that if he wants to, he can do anything for the club. It's just the fact that he's heading in the right place. He's not going to be playing on Sunday, I don't think, looking at what Rogers was saying today. And if he's still here, um, how committed to the cause is he going to be? Very interesting to see how that goes. Uh, a couple of other pieces of business that have happened today. Jack Aitchison, uh, of course Celtic's youngest ever goal scorer, has gone out on loan to Dumbarton in League One, of course, now. Uh, Calvin Miller gone out yeah. to Dundee. Is that Dundee. one I saw? And I'm sure there was another one as well that I, I maybe noticed. Um, as well, do you, do you see any other players going out other than perhaps Dembele? Hopefully not. Touch wood. Can you see any other young guys? I know Abuja Kiasi had been mentioned that he'd been um, asked to or given the option, allowed to look for another club. But then again, how how long have these guys got? It depends where they're going. I, I suppose when the transfer window shuts, but there's not long to go in this country and certainly in in mainland Europe. So. It could be very interesting. It doesn't look like we're going to get anyone else in other than Benkovic. I'm just trying to see if there's a, an update. I'm sure when people are listening, they'll know what the, the situation is with Benkovic. But there doesn't seem to be a any confirmation, certainly, at this stage. And people are getting just a little bit edgy as that that uh, transfer deadline ticks ever closer. Um, so what are your overall thoughts on the transfer window? If we just t- touch on that quickly, what would you give it out of 10? I think it's a pretty much a... It's not... If, if, if everything happens like we said it was, you can't be too disappointed or downheartened, but you're not going to be overly excited, so you give it probably a six. It's it's okay, it's better than average, but it's not great. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably give it a... Yeah, 
as yeah, Kenny could have been much worse, couldn't it? But do, yeah. you, do you judge things on them how bad they could have been because that's kind of our own fault? Hopefully, we can keep them belly and he can just get on with it. I think if we keep them belly, get Benkovic in, get a great result on Sunday, and then things start to look more positive again. On the match on Sunday, what are your thoughts on it? Lots been made of this Rangers team. I know you haven't seen them much. I, in comparison, being the obsessed person I am, I've seen them lots. I've probably watched about seven or eight Rangers matches in full this season already. Don't know what that says about me, but um, you certainly feel that it will be too strong for them on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I'm confident and I think, I don't know if it's blind optimism or if it's, past history or whatever um, when Rangers have had a wee run of form and thinking oh, they're, they're a decent side and they're they're getting results together and stuff like that we've always turned up and, and done the business I know that it's completely different that they've almost got a new squad and they could play an 11 which is completely unrecognisable um, it would be to me I, I say I haven't watched I don't think maybe five six minutes here a Rangers game this season so my judgement is not based on them my judgement is based on us we have coming in off the back of two clean sheets, two good wins, um, progressing in Europe, and hopefully, as we said, keeping uh, our best player, Dembele, um, that'll give us a boost. The squad will be realising, right, OK, right, we've we've got a decent team here, and they know, I think the key fact of this game is they know, win this game, Rangers have dropped points in three out of the first four league games, and they will be spinning about that. They, that's, they get into this thinking, right, oh, Gerald's here, he's the saviour. I know they've done well in Europe, but they've not, They've, they've not played anybody you would think, right, we wouldn't beat home and away. And they've struggled over the line. Their discipline's not been great. They've been red card, four red cards so far this season. Um, Morelis, as we know, has shat it against Celtic on numerous occasions. Hmm. So for us to turn up at home in front of 60,000 Celtic fans, well, it will be because they, obviously the their uh, allocation has been massively reduced. It's going to be a game where Celtic can show who's the big dog and put Rangers back down in their place. If we win this game, we know that we'll probably either stay second, go top of the league again, Rangers will be down at the bottom six and then they'll start scratching their heads and wondering what they need to do. Yeah, I mean, I think I talk for, for most people or certainly, hopefully most people listen to this podcast when I say that I would just absolutely love Celtic to, to put this Rangers team in their place uh, on Sunday. I think we've got it within us I just think it's a it's a tough match um, I think that there's no doubt that your European stuff is what you, you really measure them on so far because that's when they play teams of similar stature to us and I think the teams they've played I can't quite put it down to whether they've come up against average teams or whether their defending's just been so good. I think there's a, a bit of both. I mean, I, I think there was parts, I saw the whole match against Ufa yesterday, and I know they were down to nine men for, for half an hour and 11 men for, what was it, 60 minutes, but I think the amount of chances Ufa created, if you had a finisher there, you could have been looking at a 5-6-1 win for Ufa, and there would be none of this chat about heroic defensive performances. So I think a certain amount of it, and I know Alan McGregor made some saves, but some of the finishing over and wider the... The woodwork was woeful from Ufa. So I think you've got to look at certainly opportunities. The Motherwell match showed us the, the way to get in at Rangers. I think it's the in-behind Rangers. I think they, they really enjoy it. 
two centre-backs they've got when it's in front of them and they can kind of shepherd stuff out and they can be organised. I think when you really throw a cat amongst the pigeons and you put balls in behind them and you have Edward or Griffiths or whoever it is up front running in behind them and we're really at them and we don't let them settle into the match like Motherwell didn't, I think that's when we'll get a real joy. I just hope that we're at it. I just really hope that we're really up for this because there's no excuses not to be. It's been a poor start to the season for us, but there's a chance for these guys to put things right by getting a really big win. Imagine we were to win 2 or 3-0 on Sunday. The buzz would be amazing. Rangers would be back in their shells. You know what they're like. They would have the... the their battle fever would, would still be on. They'd be giving it all the, the chat about the, the fact that they'd made such a good start and it was just a minor hiccup. But you know, heart and heart, that it would really, really hurt them if we were to beat them comfortably because they, they, they do believe talking to a lot of them that they're going to come to Celtic Park and win on Sunday and, and the tide is turning I would love it if we put them in their place on Sunday I think it's going to be an amazing atmosphere it's going to be a full house as we know as you said they've got a smaller allocation but I think the atmosphere will still be incredible and I would just absolutely love it as I know everyone would if we were to beat them I don't care if it's a last minute goal I don't care if it's another 5 nil. as long as we beat them that's all that matters and as you say it would put us um, well clear of them at this stage and for all the great start they've had about getting into Europe that's all great, yeah fantastic their main thing is the league it's the main thing with us, it's the main thing with them uh, and if they were to, to be in the position they had after the start they've had I think it would be quite demoralising for them so it's going to be amazing I know John McGinley is predicting 1-0 Celtic uh, I'm going for and I've swung so much over the last few days last night before the Celtic match I was I was tipping a, probably a 0-0, a 1-1, something like that, a low-scoring draw with the way they defend. Um, I think we'll beat them 2-1 on Sunday. What about you? Well, I predicted last night before the Sudova game that we would win both games and we wouldn't concede a goal. Uh, 90 minutes down, 90 minutes to go, and I'm going to go for the same score line again, 3-0. Oh, geez, oh, fantastic. Can you imagine the buzz? I will do a podcast naked on Sunday <laughs> if you win this match 3-0 and none of you even know if I'm doing it. Um, but that would just be amazing. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not going. I don't think you're going either, are you? Oh, uh, no. You, you, know, you know my story? My situation? I don't know your situation, no. No, I'm, uh, I signed up in March to run a 10k on Sunday. Oh! And it starts at 12 o'clock. Oh! What time's so, kick-off? 12 o'clock. Oh! So I will be running the first. Uh, I'm aiming for under an hour. Um, uh, so I'll be running the first. I'll be running the ten k during the first half with Radio Scotland in my ears, and <laughs> hopefully using the goals that Celtic will score in the first half to push me on to a personal best. So if you're out in our Drossen and you see um, uh, a youngish-looking guy with a beard suddenly speed up and run about what a mile in about four minutes. Um, you'll know it's because Celtic have just scored and we're, we're 3-0 up against Rangers so so hopefully it works out well, well, well for you Paul hopefully it works out for Celtic um, and yeah I think that's just as a, just about summed everything up we will all things being well hopefully be back on Sunday it'll either be a pretty depressing podcast or it'll be a really upbeat podcast I can only hope that it's the latter um, we're just over the hour mark Paul I'll thank you so much for joining me unless there's anything else you want to add no thank you enjoy Sunday and get right stuck in right about them can people donate to your cause I can yeah um, I will post it I'll get you I'll send you the link um, if you want to post it on the, on the Twitter feed to anyone who wants to donate I'm raising money for the Usher Hospice 
Right, fantastic. Great cause. All the best to Paul. All the best to Celtic. Hopefully we'll do the business. We'll be back at some point along with John McGinley as well. Uh, and we'll be looking back praying on a Celtic victory over Rangers. It's a big one. Enjoy it. And uh, come on the hoops. Celtic again.